You're listening to Detours Ahead, a podcast about creative living. So, so. today's interview is the first with a South African, mm. not the last. Hopefully. No, definitely not the last. <laughs> An international celebrity? Yes, we are broadening our horizons. Mm. So Mpo Mulepo in South Africa, he is a, he's very famous. I worked with him touring around, he was performing on stage and I was the, like, dude, you carry heavy stuff <laughs> and things like that. And uh, when we would go out in between breaks and stuff into shopping mall to buy lunch or whatever hundreds of people would come running and ask for autographs and so he, he wow. plays um, well we get into this in the interview like he plays a, a villain in one show and uh, in another one a very friendly nice but simple guy so he's got range he's got range <laughs> yeah and he's an excellent musician wow beautiful singing voice very creative person and just a really lovely human being. So it was great to catch up with him. Sounds like it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. There we go. So here I am with Mupo Malepo. How you doing? Yeah. I'm sure Paul, are you, man? Yeah, I'm good. So uh, yeah. you're in Johannesburg right now. And I'm in... I'm in Johannesburg, South Africa. Yeah, how's life over there? Sure. It's been difficult. Yeah. With this lockdown, life has been really difficult. But now this week, we are on level two, which has eased some of the bends. They've lifted some of the bends. So, yeah, life is getting slowly back to normal. Okay. And that must have been especially hard for people in the creative industries, huh? Sure. It's been really hard. I mean, for someone like me who does a lot of stage work, couldn't perform, couldn't do anything on stage. Um, You know, when this lockdown started, uh, it started on the 27th, 27th of March. On that very day, I was supposed to be on a flight to Greece. Oh, really? It couldn't happen. <laughs> I was supposed to be on a flight to Greece to do a workshop and a performance there with my old man, but it couldn't happen. Oh, man, yeah. that's sad, huh? Really, really, really sad. And we were both looking forward to this trip. But they say it's been postponed, but we don't know to when. To when, okay. One day, when the world is back to functioning normally again, hopefully. I guess, yeah. 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 So for for people who don't know you, can you give a brief uh, bio of yourself and what kind of work you do and maybe some highlights of your career? I know you've had a very prolific career, so you've got to pick and choose. (laughs) All right. Um, The name, they call me Mpo, Mulepo. I was born into the family of artists. Um, my dad is an actor, so I became an actor by default. 
Okay. Uh, you know, when you when you're very young and the only place that your parents take you to is to the theater. And the next thing they don't want you to become an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I became an actor. I'm a musician as well. Um, why musician? I saw dad doing it at home. So okay. I became a musician. I think, I, I think in every boy child, we all want to become like our fathers at some point. Yes. And we imitate everything that they do. So I I became a victim of that. Okay. So yeah, I'm that boy who who imitated dad. And unfortunately, 30 years, 40 years later, I'm still living under his shadow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. But you get to perform with him now and work with him. I get to perform with him. I get to produce his work that he writes, and sure, it's it's beautiful. The collaboration between the two of us, it works like a charm. It's magic. Oh, that's amazing. So, did he teach yeah. you? Did he teach you how to play guitar and other instruments that you play, or did you just watch him and pick up from what he was doing? I think that's what happened with me. I watched him play at home, and then I picked it up. I tried, he gave me a trumpet. First. Okay. And the less we talk about the trumpet, the better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was disastrous. <laughs> so yeah, then I went for the guitar, which I found comfort in. Um, I play harmonica as well, because he plays harmonica. I play penny whistles, which I had to teach myself. But yeah, that's where it all started. And I went, after matric, I went to music school to to train, to train in music. Okay. Because yeah, I really, really, really loved music. Even now, I'm still, I love my music. Where did you go? Where did you study music? I studied music at the college called Eastside College. And this was in Treville. And unfortunately, the school has now been shut down. I don't know what happened. Okay. So, yeah. But for records, I went to school. Okay. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I did go to school. The building is still there. The building is still there. <laughs> so, okay. So you were there for how many, how many years were you there? I was at Eastside for two years. And I was supposed to continue with uh, the course. Yes, I did my two-year course, and then I was supposed to to do sound engineering. Okay. But now, because we were the first group that was going to do sound engineering at the school, uh, I decided to give it a breather a bit. I took a gap year with hope that I would come back the following year. But the theater bug was there already. I'm still on a gap year. Okay. <laughs> Twenty years later. Twenty years later, I'm still on that gap year. <laughs> well, it's worked out yeah. pretty well. This gap year, it's been a productive gap year. I must say, I'm not having any regrets of my gap year. It's yeah. been a rather healthy career. There was never a time without without a, without a job, and it it being a difficult industry as it is, I have been blessed. I'm yeah. not regretting anything. 
So when you got yeah. out, when you when when you first started taking your gap year that turned into a twenty year long gap year, what was your first? How did you first go about looking for work? And how did what did you have like a a lucky break or did you meet someone who helped my, you or what? My, my first gap year, I worked. I I I attended auditions at a company called Hecate. Okay. And I was on a roadshow with them. I was on a roadshow with them for about three, four months. And then there was an audition at a certain company called Jumping Dust. Oh, okay. And that's where, that's where I met your father, Jonathan yeah. Renz. And I met uh, Brandon Greeley, Andrew Greeley. Man, those guys, they kept me busy for years. Okay. So I never stopped working. I've been doing lots and lots of work with them. And I got to meet you. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now the truth comes yeah. out. Oh, that's great. I yeah. didn't I, I didn't even know that that was so early on in your career. All right. So, yeah, Very we early in my career. Went. Yeah, that was we 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 worked together for a few for about a year maybe on and off touring the whole country. We went to the most obscure places that i've ever been to yes and uh performed. we even went to botswana yes we went to botswana that was amazing yes, yeah yes, yes and uh but at, the, at that time it was amazing man. i really enjoyed it. that was great yeah and at that time though already when we would walk into a shopping center or somewhere to go and buy lunch everyone would turn and look at you and come running to speak to you because you were you were well known from television so how yeah, how, did, so how, I, did that, how did that how did that happen films. um sure early yeah around around that early in my career i i met this guy called vosi vosi old actor director and uh, he was doing a series for school children and then when i got there he just fell in love with me uh he gave me he cast me in the show in fact i had just gone for one production for one show audition uh the production was called Inabo. and then he gave me three other jobs at the same time <laughs> so okay. he said to me where's your diary do you have a diary yeah now let's work the dates on such and such a day, you'll be in Cape Town doing this. And then when you come back, you'll be doing this and that. So that's how it started. That's how I became involved in television. Okay. And then as well, at the same time, I was also doing my stage work. But mostly I spent a lot of time on stage. And uh, which were the big television roles that made you well known? A household face in South Africa? Sure. Big, big TV roles that I did. Zone 14. I was in a production called Zone 14, if you'd remember that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I played a guy called Digger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Who, what kind <laughs> of a character? Tell us what kind of character was Digger. He was like a villain, right? He was a villain. Uh, very sly. The guy was running uh, a funeral parlor, <laughs> but as well... <laughs> But as well, uh, he was pushing his drugs, <laughs> drugs business. And the guy was 
dangerous. You wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of Digger because Digger would bury you alive. Remember this man, he's an undertaker. So, so he, he would bury, he kills you and bury you himself without needing any help from anyone. So that was the character I played. That's a great and character sure. to play, a villain like that. So I loved it. I loved it and people hated me. Yeah. But the fact that people hated me, it means I was doing something correct about it. Right. Because people are not supposed to love you. <laughs> I remember there was this woman, I went into a grocery store and she gave me a smack. That's how much <laughs> she hated me. She gave me a smack, this woman. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do when if when people responded well, like that what can you do you yeah. receive the smack and keep walking yeah <laughs> you can't beat an old woman <laughs> you can't beat an old woman no of course no and man. another thing another thing they do not invite you to their houses you just go to their houses when they sit on their television yeah so yeah uh. So that's what it was. So, and after after Zone 14, I did two seasons of Zone 14. Uh, after Zone 14, I got into a soap, ETV soap, uh, Rhythm City. Mm. And it's been, I've been with Rhythm City since the beginning, since day one of the show. Okay. I'm still there even today. This is 14 years later. I've been playing a character called Fats. Fats, yeah. Fats, yes. And so you're very well known for, for playing this character, huh? 14 years I've been playing this guy. Wow. Yeah. What is, and what kind of a character is he as opposed to Digger? Ah, uh, he's such a, he's, a, that one, he, he's a sweetheart. Okay. <laughs> he's a sweetheart. Everybody, everybody loves Fats. Fats is a kind of guy that, gives advices to everyone in the community he's a kind of guy that fails in everything that he tries he wants to start businesses but he never succeeds at all <laughs> and he's played sure he's played so many characters in one he's been a rapper at some point he's been a priest he's been a tall guy he's been everything but that's because he's trying to make a quick bug and it does not happen <laughs> you know <laughs> it does not happen and I think I'm comfortable playing such such a role at an underachiever underachiever it's so nice to play because there's so many places to go to as opposed to when you're playing these kind of characters that are rich and all of that yeah. you quickly reach your ceiling there's nowhere else to go you know mm. So, but with a character like Fats there's so many things that so many places that you can go to playing the same character you know interesting and uh do you, you you must get a very different public reception for playing for playing this sweet person when people see you on the streets they they treat you very differently but you know what's funny what's funny about fans because it's a comedic character uh people mistake me for a stand-up comedian okay i walk I walk into a public space and, and people say, hey man, Fats, tell me a joke. Tell us a joke. Make us laugh. <laughs> and it's unintentional. <laughs> it's the character that's comic, not me. I'm not a stand-up comedian. 
<laughs> oh man so what do you do when people ask you to tell them jokes like that hey bro you just start the conversation with them and, yeah and and work your way work your way to a punchline when you start a conversation with them okay work your way to a punchline and once they start laughing you say you say there there we go the there's the joke <laughs> and then you walk That's away okay of course you must walk away while they're still laughing before they ask for the second joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. So is is that show has that show stopped filming now during this time? Like everything else? We, we stopped for about a month. Okay. Uh, when the lockdown was introduced. You I, I don't know how it works in your country at the moment, but we've got levels. Yeah. We started on level we started on level five and then when we got back to level four they allowed us to go and shoot again okay. so we've been shooting since yeah okay and how do you feel how do you sh how, how does television shooting work now in this time do you have to stand six feet apart from one another and wear masks yeah so? about 1.5 meters and yeah we always wear masks when the director plots a scene we're all all in masks but it's, it's, it's funny because now when they call for action, we take off the mask. Okay. We do the actual scene. We do the actual scene. And when they yeah. call for cut, we put back the mask on. Uh, you know, Corona does not trans... It does not happen during the tape. Right. If you in, no, 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 no. It does not happen. No, no, of course. If you're in character, it can't, trans, it can't transmit like that. Only if you're yeah, out of character. Only when you're out of character, then you will get your corona. But when you're acting, it does not happen. <laughs> the corona is very considerate. Just it doesn't want to. It doesn't want to ruin the TV industry. So, it's willing no, it to make an exception. But 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 during level four, when productions when productions were allowed to go back to work, a lot of act, not in our show though, but in other productions. A lot of actors contracted the disease. Oh, seriously! And people had to stop working. Yeah, people had to stop working and do the the two weeks window period and all of that. So yeah, it's been really, really, really difficult. Oh man. Okay. So you so you do do you film? You're filming indoors though, right? Not outdoors. We film both. Both. Yesterday I was filming. Yeah, yesterday I was on location. Okay. filming outdoors and yeah we we're shooting a wedding in soweto and we had to be there it's something that you can't do in the studio yeah man okay yeah. better stay safe huh bro we're praying and we're crossing fingers touching wood that does not happen <laughs> yeah sure yeah. and um but 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 what i'm happy about is that every morning we go we go through some screening process before we get into the studio okay you check your temperature wear your mask ask all those questions where were you did you ever come in contact with someone with COVID and all of that we try as much as possible to be safe but you'll never know you know yeah 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 it's difficult and uh, and, and and what about your theater performing gigs have you managed to get back to doing any of that Nope, I'm still not doing any theater. 
Um, it's been what five months now. I'm still not on stage. I miss the stage. I've had to cancel gigs. Greece is one of them. Yeah. And I had something again in Cape Town that I was supposed to do around June. We couldn't do. And uh, every year for the last eight years, we've been doing a production on albinism. It's written by my dad, and I'm producing it. So it's the it's for the first time that we can't do that show this year. You know, it's really, really sad. Yeah. Because this is a nice educational piece that we even take to the schools. But now this year, it's impossible. Oh, man. What, what, what is it? What is this that piece about the educational piece? It's about albinism, people with albinism. It's called Mama, I want the blood that you are. It's oh. a show that's focusing on the plight of people with albinism. You know, there's a lot of myth around people living with albinism that yes. they do not die, they disappear. Yes. They use their body yeah, for multi and all of that. Yes. So it's an educational piece. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I remember hearing those yeah. kind of myth, myth, mythological stories that people with albinism just walked yeah. off into the into the bush felt and didn't die yeah so yeah. okay so you try so you're educating people and around they, that they kill for their, their body parts and it's 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 rife in in countries like tanzania that's where it's happening most yeah but even in south africa you hear of stories where uh they're killing them they're killing them and it's it's really sad so that's why we do this show to educate communities, people in their communities that they just like, they're just as normal like you and I. The only difference is uh, the pigment, the right. melanin in their, in their system, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So how did you get to writing about that? Did Were you commissioned by someone or did you, did you guys just decide to do it? This is a play that my dad wrote. I mean, he's been... He's been working on it since the 90s, around since 92 or so. He's been working on it. But we only got to put it into practice around 2012. So, yeah, it's been a project that he's been working on for quite a while. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And so a lot of your work, I know from the, the other industrial theater that you used to do and this work that you're describing has to do with uh, communicating messages to people, like complex serious messages through theater and art so do you have a kind of is that a kind of driving philosophy for you in terms of how you think about art i think so i think so educational theater for me is it's the answer to everything i love educational theater i always say maybe the reason would be my mother's an educator and my father's an actor and artist so for me, combining the two, it's educational theater for me. And maybe that's my basic, that's my root. That's where I come from. Mm. That's what I love about it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So did you when, you, when you first decided to go into a creative field, did you know that it was going to mm. be a fusion between education and art? Or did that happen later as you got more developed? No, that happened. That happened later, but I already knew about educational theater. I already knew about industrial theater because Dad was already doing it then. Mm. Dad was already doing it, but yeah, 
but I did for me it was never the ultimate goal for me it was just practicing my art feeding the soul but somehow it channeled me into educational theater and that became my passion even the theater work that I create I, I don't just like doing theater for the sake of doing theater these are just stories that I I research mostly uh, it's I, I don't like doing fictional work mm. I like doing work that's based on facts so yeah that's okay. what it is interesting and uh, for, for anyone who is listening who doesn't know about your father can you tell us a little bit more about him and his and his work because I know he's a very he's a famous famous musician as well in South Africa famous. <laughs> yeah yeah well sure my dad Arthur Arthur he's been in the arts now for about 50 years okay uh, he started out in community theater. He started out doing plays at school, doing Shakespeare at school. And then he went and joined uh, Workshop 71. This was a group of actors based at Wirtz University. So they created workshop productions there. But a lot of members from Workshop 71 went into exile. Okay. So. Arthur, Ramalau Makhene, Spiwe Kumalo, they went and joined this company called Junction Avenue Theatre Company with Malcolm Pecky, William Kendridge. Uh, yeah, these were, a, these were a group, this was a group of students from Wirtz. So they've been creating work since 1976 mm. to date. They've created plays like Sophia Town, Marabi, The Kitchening, um, what's that other one? Love Crime in Johannesburg. They've created a lot of plays which really enjoyed success both at home and internationally. And one of their works, Sophia Town, has become now a set work for matriculants in South Africa. Oh, which is yes. A achievement. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Town did did they live in the era they knew when Town was actually a place? No, and then it was, they were quite young then. Okay. Town was also based on research. Okay. Maybe that's where my thing for research comes from. Yeah. It was based on research and it was a workshop production. Because uh, most of them, yeah. Town happened in the 50s. The play was set in the 50s. But they were very young when that happened. But I remember watching a video of their research process with um, with Angus Gibson, where they interviewed people like Don Matera, who was a gangster then in Sofia Town <laughs> and became a writer. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was based on that. Oh, excellent. So can you, let me, let me ask you, can you explain what kind of a place the Firetown was for people in outside of South Africa who've never heard of it? So Firetown was a political piece. Yeah. The place of Firetown, uh, it was where black and white lived together. But now apartheid was introduced in South Africa. Black people were now moved from Sofa. It was a forced removal from Sophia Town to black to black townships 
called Middlelands. So that's what the play was about. It was um, it was a political piece. Yeah. It was a political piece, definitely. And then Sophia Town was 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 called Triumph afterwards. It was called Triumph, yes. Yeah. Triumph. That's... This is this is the Westin area in South Africa. Yeah. If in Johannesburg, there's a place called Westin, but that's where Sophia Town was. And uh, man, yeah, that's a very interesting, tragic story, but interesting piece of history there. And the nice thing, yeah, the nice thing about Sophia Town, the play, was that the cast themselves, they created the show. Okay. So when you see someone on stage, they were doing their own work. That is why they owned the show. They loved it and it became a success. Yeah. For, that's one play by Dungeon Avenue that became a success even internationally. So did and they... now I've, I've been told that they want to to do the movie, so Fire Town the movie based on the play. Okay, excellent. This is like almost almost like forty years later. Yeah. They're now talking about the movie. Yo. And your, is your father involved with that? I'm not sure if he's involved, but he told me that they want to adapt their original script into a movie. Okay. Oh, that would be exciting. And the original play, the original play was done in 1986. Oh. Yeah, 1986. Where did they put the it? Market. Oh, it was put on in the market theater in Johannesburg, and then did it tour outside the country as well, outside yeah. of South Africa. So it toured outside the country. It went to Canada. It went to Washington, America. The Sophia Town was on tour for about three years. Wow. It was on tour for about three years overseas. And they kept on reviving it here back at home. And then after playing it at the market theater again, it gets invited to other countries. So that's why I'm saying it became a hit. It's yeah. one of their shows that became very popular. Yeah. Oh, man. That's amazing history. Sure. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you some more questions about your creative life and how do you find that do do you have to uh, actively cultivate certain habits in your life to keep up your skills like do you have to practice do you, do you set aside a time and practice guitar for a certain amount of time each day or each week or do you do you how, how, how do you keep yourself fresh and developed with, with music, I think every person that plays an instrument, they find time to practice. Yeah. It's the only way you'll keep relevant. Um, if you don't practice, it shows even in your play that uh, <laughs> this person does not practice at all. When coming to acting, when coming to acting, as an actor, you, you must just keep reading. If you do not read, it shows. Yeah. And your and your world becomes very limited as an actor because there's a lot of things that you cannot do because you do not practice. And another form of practicing for me would be I watch a lot of shows. I watch people's work because it's the only way we will learn. You know, uh, with the arts, with the arts, you cannot say I have arrived. I know it all. 
It does yeah. not happen that way. For me, every job is a school for me because I learn new things all the time. But once you say you have arrived, it means you've got nowhere else to go. There's nothing that you're going to learn. Yeah, that's, you know? ve that's very, that's great advice for people. So, so yeah. if, you, if you were to tell to a young person who's ambitious to become an artist in their field, the best advice is never think that you've learned everything there is to learn. Never become a celebrity. Yeah. It does not happen. <laughs> Once you think that you're a celebrity, forget it. It's not going to happen. You become big-headed. Yeah. You must be, you must be big-headed with information, not with other things. Not the glitz and the glam. That does not happen. Right. So you got to keep your ego in check. You don't want to become too full of yourself. Yeah, definitely. Do you find, do, do, do you still get uh, anxious or nervous to hear people's feedback when you, when you do a new project or when you appear in a show? Yeah, it's only normal to, it's only normal to feel that way. If yeah. you don't, then there's something wrong that you do. <laughs> That you, even being on stage before I get on stage to perform I still get those butterflies in my stomach yeah <laughs> you know I feel them and if they don't come it means something it's not happening I'm not doing it there's something that I'm just not doing right you know, okay. you've got to feel that way and the feedback you know with theater when doing theater you get feedback immediately even the reaction of the audiences. Now you know whether you've hit the mark or not. But now with TV, you shoot something, you film something today, and then it plays on TV after about a month. You've already forgotten about the scene that you were playing, but you'll hear people responding in the street, and they'll keep saying, that was great. I saw you yesterday doing whatever, but that's when you, that's the only time you get to hear feedback, you know? Yeah. And, do you, and it's great when, when people appreciate what you're doing, it's great. Right. And are there, are there certain yeah. people who you, who you've, um, who you take their critique, uh, feedback particularly seriously? Are there like people who you look up to, who you ask for <laughs> feedback or, views on how to change or improve yeah an old man yeah uh he's my number one critique okay <laughs> even when even when i write something i'll i'll send him the script first to read and criticize so i really trust i really trust his judgment and um there's an actor who used to be one of my role models, which is a friend to my dad. He sadly passed on now. Okay. I also used to bounce off material with him, you know, and I I valued his his criticism. I, I did. I, I really did value his criticism, because it, it was for me. It was constructive criticism. It's it's not someone who would just say. This is total rubbish that you've written, but they find ways of, 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 of fixing it and bringing, and bringing the meat to the story. You know, yeah. They always find ways of, of, of helping you to develop the project. 
yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah that's the, that's so important to have people who you can who you, whose views you take seriously and trust and listen to and who can give you constructive criticism and feedback do you do you, do you have people who you do that for as well like people who will ask you to read their work or have a look at what they're doing yeah yeah i get a lot of people sending me their stuff but i do not accept work from strangers okay uh, i only want to take work from people that i know and people that i trust yes because the last thing you want is to accept work from stranger and then say two years down the line you get inspired to do a project that's close to what they did then and they would think that you stole oh, their idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm really, really careful about taking other people's work. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so now you, what are you working on now at the moment aside from Rhythm City? I know you, you started that uh, coronavirus information videos. Yeah, Can you... sanitize, sanitize view. Yeah. Tell us, so that's, tell that's us about I'm, that. That's what I'm working on. Well, Sanitizeville is a project that I just started now during the lockdown. I got bored at home, sitting and doing nothing. You know, the first the first two weeks is nice. Waking yeah. up and doing nothing, and you get a routine. Um, hey, I'm getting late to I'm getting late for the couch. <laughs> that's your routine. <laughs> Look yeah. forward to the but it got to a point where it really got to me. It really got to me. And I saw an advertisement on the internet from the Department of Arts and Culture. They were looking for projects for COVID-19. Okay. And I applied and it came out positive. I got I, I got funding to do this project. So that's when it inspired me to start writing the scripts. Um, and I've cast people that I trust in the show, people that I've been working with. Uh, Paul, Paul, my life, whom you know, yes. whom we've taught extensively, you and I. Yes. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's playing a lovely character in the show. Uh, he plays the uncle who's got diabetes. And he's living in with his uh, with his nephew, who is just a youngster who does not understand what lockdown is. He wants to bring in his girlfriends at home, and this really puts Paul's character in danger because he's living with diabetes, and now you're inviting strangers into the house. Right. And anything can happen. You don't know what those people are bringing into the house. You know, it's that. It's it's it's. <laughs> It's the two characters that are having a love and hate relationship, and they're really carrying the story. So I'm using those characters to tell the stories as, as an educational project for lockdown, for COVID-19. And I've also created animation because the budget couldn't take us, the budget couldn't carry the project to do a lot of things. So where we can't use physical actors, I use animation, you know, even now because it's locked down, I can't go and and film at the taxi rank. That's why I had to do a skit at the taxi rank, but using animation. 
And um, the project is getting traction. I'm seeing it's growing now on YouTube. It's on it's on my YouTube channel called Mulepo Projects. Please click in there, Mulepo Projects, Sanitize Bill, subscribe. Let's grow the numbers because there's other stories to tell. It's not just the COVID-19, but there will be other stories to tell. But if we've got the numbers, the correct numbers, then we're able to get funding from from uh, we're able to get financial muscle from 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 companies. You know, they're all about the numbers. If you do not have the numbers, unfortunately, you can't get the funding. Okay, so you hear that? Anyone who's listening, I'll link to the I'll link to it in the in the show notes so people can see it if they're interested. Even though in America it can work, the project yeah. has got subtitles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> English subtitles. Yeah. English subtitles. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Any any anything else? Any any other final pearls of wisdom before we end the interview? How to live a creative life? How to pursue your passions? Anything like that? Sure. Be be connected with your spirituality okay as an artist if 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 you're an artist be connected with it uh because somehow we get inspiration from it creatively yes and uh yeah how do you do that how do you do that how do you stay connected with your spirituality find your center yeah find your peace you find your peace creative juices are flowing that's what it is so there's many ways to spirituality some get some some are christians some are uh, believing in ancestors so whichever way you connect yes whatever source that you use whatever uh, network that you use <laughs> Go with your network. Go with your network, okay. Go with your network. It's if, if it's fiber, go with fiber. If it's the SIM card, go with the SIM card. <laughs> but all you need to do is to connect spiritually and and have a purpose. Have a purpose. Know what you want to do. Oh, man. Those are beautiful words. I don't think I can say anything wiser than that. So I'm going to just leave people with that great idea. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank Man, you. It, uh, I really appreciate you talking to me and uh, everyone who's listening. I hope you take away something from this man. I know personally he's one of the most creative and talented people I've I've ever come across in my life. So it's a real honor to have him talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Man. Alrighty. I hope. I hope to see you soon. Man. Yeah. After this lockdown. I hope After this lockdown, you. I'll be back. I'm, I'm coming you, straight to South Africa and then we're going to hang out properly. That would be great. That'll, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, we'll yeah. stay in touch. We'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch until then. Please, man. But yeah. let's most, most importantly, let's keep safe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Keep safe so that we can meet again in the future of course yeah. yeah all right well thank you so much and good luck with everything that you're doing thank you so much michael turet
two rams, that's me, okay. <laughs> oh, 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 is it three rams now? No, it's three rams now, yeah, because there's another one. Three rams, right? Yeah. Great. <laughs> All right, thanks, thanks man. Bro. I really appreciate it. Bye. Hope you're welcome. Thanks, man. Detours Ahead is brought to you by Bayou Wolf Press, bringing you books with freckles and glasses. If you're a fellow traveller pursuing a creative life, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at bayouwolfpress at gmail.com for questions, comments, or if you'd like to be considered for a future interview, give us a brief blurb about yourself and what you do. That's bayouwolfpress at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, or go to our website at buyyouwolfpress.com to learn more about us and receive updates on our podcast, videos, blog posts, and upcoming book releases.